Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Inventus Partners, the top full-service turnkey product development and crowdfunding marketing agency in the world. We have helped startups raise over $100 million for our clients since 2010. Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Gadget Flow. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today I am super excited to be talking with Isabel, co-founder of Last Object. Isabel, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So I'm really excited. The uh, the inspiration that you guys have created uh, is now you know sweeping the world in terms of obviously the eco friendly items that you guys have found a fit for in terms of the market. With you know first being last swab with almost twenty thousand backers just on the Kickstarter campaign alone, and then your most recent success, last tissue, which is now running in demand over on Indiegogo, which had over thirteen thousand backers on Kickstarter. So I'm really excited to. Hear here, you know, where did the inspiration start, you know, in terms of beginning Last Object as a company with your other co-founders? How did that all begin? Yes. Well, we started um, actually just researching um, where could we really make an, a big impact uh, for the environment? Um, we're all three designers, so this is kind of our angle in life. And uh, and we wanted to do a product and uh, we wanted to do multiple products, but that then in some way really could make a difference. And this is where single use just like jumped out of the screen and we found out how enormous uh, a burden it actually is to have all these single use items produced on a daily basis. And and this was, yeah, this was actually our inspiration. And then we started just digging into what single use items are the worst and where can we really make a difference so that people actually would um, use our product instead, even though the other thing could be more convenient. So we have to be that more, that better at, for example, design or, or just feel in general. So what was your background before coming into the company? So I am, um, well, I have a digital background uh, at an IT university. And then uh, I went to design school where we all three have, have gone. I have, I've, I'm actually a collaborative designer, um, but I ended up in the medical industry for a couple of years where I did difficult, different medical devices. And um, I also uh, designed some, what do you call them? Uh, midwife, like when you deliver a baby, there's yeah. this, like whole, um, how the hospital is decorated, how, how many steps there are to different equipment that is necessary and how to make this atmosphere a really nice experience for the mother and and uh, and father. So um so I also did things like this. So as a product designer, I guess now, what were some of the challenges that came about, you know, first to launch out last swab, the reusable cotton swab, and then now into last tissue? What's some of the evolution of the company in terms of how you guys go about designing and making products and what features to include into them? I think we we did a big list when we kind of dug into the single use um, problem, 
and where we had said like we want to solve these issues and some of them we've solved some of them are still in working process and some of them may take years for us to really figure out what is the best solution um but what we do is that we actually we prototype a lot so everything that we're creating um for example with the swab Uh, we did hundreds of different uh, versions and thickness and fields and yeah, just how could you use this in a different way? Then we got different 3D print companies to print them so that we could use them in our everyday, give them to friends and family and and just like really get a lot of feedback. And then we were just never afraid of coming back and having to drop something completely or changing something drastically. Um, we changed stuff like while we had the kickstarter campaign running uh, different materials that m- would be better or would be um, more uh, just a better design in general um, or a better solution so in the sense we were like we're not afraid of like constantly shifting um which i think is a really 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 good force because that makes us so agile to to just come up with these ideas and really make sure that we're solving them in the best possible way. Absolutely. I think that's so important and you bring up such a great point to be able to, you know, pivot not only during your campaign but also be open to all the feedback and changing. I think, you know, if you're I forget what the quote is, but it's like if you're not embarrassed about the first product you ship, then you waited too long. You know, <laughs> where it's like if if you make sure, you know, again, get it out there and then start getting the feedback, which is what it sounds like you guys have been doing, you know, throughout the entire build of the company. Exactly, exactly. And I think it's so important to get this feedback and not not see it as criticism, but just see it as like okay, that's such a good point. Like I'll have it, I'll I'll put it here on my table and I'll like think about it or like I'll really act on it. It's you can do different things with them, but just not being afraid of showing what you're doing because I think in the design industry, we tend to kind of you know be in our little palaces and like and have our little ideas and we don't show them to anybody because oh we can get copied and we can get this and that and people can steal our ideas and i think it's so important just to like show what you're doing constantly absolutely that's why the teachers wanted us to always show our work right <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so what were some of the challenges that you guys encountered when designing the product obviously i'm sure you guys were taking into account you know how to recycle the materials and all the different iterations that you guys were doing but also just to create a beautiful product that can be used one time or you know is going to get used one time like the Q-tip you just don't even think about that that you're throwing them away every day and there you created a beautiful product that you know you only have to buy once Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think design is so important for us exactly and we need to create something that people would want to keep having <laughs> so that it's and and it it should become something that it's really kind of a habit for you um that you enjoy and i think this really this really needs a really good design but also needs really good quality so i think we had to really balance this was a difficult thing for us but really balance how the product looked so that you could see oh that's a q tip oh that's how you use it oh that's a tissue oh that's a tissue box you know it's we really need to be so close to what we are replacing um so that it it 
it tells us what function and how to use it. We don't need anything, no errors, no, you have to open here and slit here. There's like, it just tells its story on its own in its, its, in its design. But then we also need to use materials that really last long. And this is something we've been fighting a lot with, with some of our, um, our customers, um, because they would really want, you know, oh, why can't you make it in bamboo? And, and I completely understand that makes sense. But from a perspective, we want it to hold, we want it to last, then it doesn't make sense. So it was for us also really um, a huge experience and a journey to kind of understand different materials and how long we wanted them to last compared to each other and how it should look and feel, but also just be really durable. Yeah, you brought up another great point in terms of, one, it's great that you're obviously engaging and getting consumer feedback of, hey, maybe you should do it like this, but also sticking to your guns to know that this is how the product is actually going to be used in the future and long term, we need it like this, you know, where the Henry Ford quote was, you know, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses, Um, (laughs) they never would have made, you know, the, the car, right? So it's great that obviously you guys stuck to your vision, but also we're actively engaging your crowd in terms of getting feedback for the idea itself. Exactly, exactly. So let's jump into the crowdfunding side of the business. And, you know, given that you guys have now run four separate crowdfunding campaigns, one of those was unsuccessful, but your last two have been major, major successful campaigns. Talk a little bit about, I guess, first off, how did crowdfunding get into the conversation of how to launch your first project? And how has that evolved over the years of launching multiple new products now? Well, I think that crowdfunding is much more than than actually, you know, selling your your product. I think it's a really awesome, amazing community to launch your products on because it gives you feedback. We can launch for, you know, we can work a couple of months, launch a product, and then we can look at people and be like, would you actually pay this? You know, would is this a success? Would this make sense? And all of this before we've actually you know, put a lot of huge money into um, manufacturing and marketing and (laughs) just creating a company in general. And I think this test phase that I feel that crowdfunding is, is just amazing. Um, And I think we're going to stick to it also with the, the next 10 products because we, it's just a really good feel. And sometimes Again, as a designer, you can sit in your ivory tower and you can just be so impressed with yourself and so like, this is just an awesome product. Who wouldn't want this? And then you put it on the market and then people are like, eh. and I think that's just so important information than like, okay, let's uh, not do this product then <laughs> and then move to something that people actually want. Absolutely. So talk a little bit about the prep work in leading up to your campaigns. Obviously, your last two campaigns have been super successful. What have you guys done there in terms of the, the pre-campaign launch to make them ultimately you know, very successful campaigns? Yes, we have done, especially with the first one, we did a pre-launch website, which I would recommend everybody because it's, first of all, a really good test to should I do a Kickstarter? Is this actually something um, that makes sense? Um, Here we collected 40,000 emails in the first campaign 
And it, first of all, we put some money in marketing, uh, on marketing and on um, Facebook mainly, also some other places, but mainly Facebook. And I think this just gave us a really good understanding of, or not understanding, but um, it, it, it showed us that this could actually become a really big success. Um, we were converting really well. And what we did with the website also was that we changed, we constantly A-B tested. So we would use uh, different pictures and then we would see throughout the day, ooh, did it convert better or worse? And then every day we had a new change, if it was a button or if it was a text or if it was, uh, should we talk about single use first or should we talk about quality first? Um, so we we actually got really sharp on how to explain our product with our pre-launch uh, website. And that made it so much easier and very precise to make the actually Kickstarter um, page because we knew we're going we're gonna to tell about this, this, and this, and in this order. And we're going to use these photos because we know they work. So to gather 40,000 customer, potential customer email addresses before the campaign ever launched is potentially a quite expensive endeavor based on current cost per clicks and conversion rates based on what they could be with your landing page. Do you feel that that's changed now that you have obviously a consumer base to be able to tap into, or did you truly need the 40,000? Could you, could you have launched the campaign with say 5,000 or 10,000 emails and potentially been just as successful? Hmm, that's a good question. I think, uh, I think what happened with us wasn't, we didn't put like this amount of money aside and said, we want to use this on marketing. We actually just saw like how much can we get out of this portion of money and when when our return on investment was really just really good then we put more and more money in so it was it was kind of a it was more um fluent i wouldn't just put a lot of money into marketing and then see where it went or how many it was very measured on how much are we actually paying per email but yes, I think we could have definitely done it halfway. We also moved it a little bit when we came closer because we needed some things that weren't aligned um, with the page. I think it's, I think, uh, yes, we could, of course, have, have had probably a, an also successful Kickstarter without, I think it was just, it's, it's really good to build this base. And we've also done it with the tissue. So we've used, of course, the emails that we already have, but we've also tried to build that up um, and it's it's just a really valuable um very very valuable thing yeah i mean also i mean obviously you're creating you know data-driven decisions and what you put on the campaign page is likely what resonated most and converted the most people to give you you know give them your email address um, so it's obviously great that you had all that insight and you weren't playing catch up during the campaign to potentially make those changes and see you know what effect that would have Exactly. In terms of deciding on your target market audience, I mean, you know, for last swab, it's anybody with ears, right? But <laughs> likely you guys refined that down to potentially be, you know, moms in certain geographic areas or what have you. How did you guys go about making data driven decisions around your targeting and your market audience? Actually, it kind of happened the other way around. So we created the product because we could see that this was. Uh, something that we would all use and something that we saw could have a a really, really 
uh, huge potential um, environmentally. And in the beginning, we, of course, targeted a lot of people that were very um, eco-friendly. But I think that we were kind of surprised of how many women we had. I think we ended up uh, being about like 80, 85% of our uh, target audience is, is women. So I think that that was something that just like kind of created. And then we kind of try to figure out like after the Kickstarter, well, actually, who are we actually, who are we actually reaching? Because uh, we had done so many different things and we had kept uh, changing up um, our target and, and it, and it just showed us a very interesting and also now being on a web shop, not on Kickstarter, which is mostly actually um, male dominated. It was, it's also been shifting. So I think, I, I feel like it's very fluent. Um, and I feel like it's also changing from kind of areas that we go into. But, but I, I haven't like, I, we haven't really decided on who to target. We're just, we're actually just looking at the numbers and see who's really converting well. Excellent. Yeah, again, I, I love the the process that you guys have gone through there in terms of iterations, not only from the product standpoint in terms of making changes there, but also on the digital side of what people actually ended up seeing and then how they ended up actually converting on the campaign. I think that's great. So with all of the, let's say, marketing efforts that you guys have put forth into last tissue and last swab, where did you see the greatest return on your investment? Well, definitely with eco. Uh, well, being aligning or looking at what other eco um, who has also bought other eco brands, but also in general who are just eco friendly minded. I think this is a huge group for us. Excellent. So, given that you're a Kickstarter vet or an OG, as I call them, what are what are some of the biggest things or tips that you can give to our audience that's looking to launch their first campaign? I would say I think that Facebook marketing is very, very interesting and it's changing constantly. It takes a lot of time and energy to sit down and actually understand it. Um, it's and but it's so much worth it. So um, so I would really get into the numbers yourself, uh, understand the a b testing yourself and and just really being sharp on how to reach because this is really important to any kind of business that you're building. Absolutely. Well, Isabel, this is going to get us into our launch round where I'm going to rapid fire a handful of questions. You good to go? Yes. So what inspired you to be an entrepreneur? I come from a very entrepreneurial family, so I think it would be weird if I went the other way. Um, so it's always just been very natural for me. Fair enough. So if you could meet with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would it be? Elon Musk. Musk. Yeah, he's a uh, common one on the show. What <laughs> uh, What would be your first question for Sir Elon? Oof. What is your day? What does your day look like? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I'm sure right now with everything that's going on, how that's affecting his industry. Um, what book might you recommend to our listeners? Ooh, um, it's a bit personal, but Gabriella Bernstein um, done a beautiful book um, on the universe has your back. <laughs> but it's just, a, it's very powerful. And whatever you do, it's just really great to, to be aligned with yourself. I think you can move much quicker. 
Absolutely. And obviously a lot of people are having a lot more time with themselves these days with the current virus situation. So I'm sure that's definitely going to be a good read. It's on my list now. Uh, where do you see yourself in five years? Oh, I see myself in last object. I see that we've created a huge company and made a real, real dent in the single use industry. Absolutely. So I'm excited to get your insight on my last question. What does the future of crowdfunding look like? I think there's only going to be crowdfunding. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right. Uh, in terms of, you know, anything that's going out there, you got to get the crowd involved. You have to have people involved in it, right? Yeah. Everything is getting closer. And I think that you can order anything online from any destination. So why don't go directly to what people want? Absolutely. Isabel, this has been awesome. This is your opportunity to give our audience your pitch, tell people what you're all about, where people should go and why they should check you out. Okay. Oof, on spot. <laughs> um, well, if you at in any sense um, are inspired in general of just being more eco-friendly, um, I would really go and look at your habits. I think it's been such an amazing experience to go into my daily routines and looking at what we are doing in my household and how we can be just a little bit better. And if we just, if everybody just does a little bit, then um, we can come really far. I agree. Well, audience, thanks again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for the notes, the transcript, links to the campaigns, and everything else we talked about today. And of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Product Hype. Isabel, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. And of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests to help you build a better business. If you need more hands-on crowdfunding strategy advice, please feel free to request a quote on inventuspartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week.